Hey, Yoni, if you were going to call on the phone a senior member of a biker gang, what sort of tone of voice would you adopt? Probably respectful, cautious. Let's hear how one Sydney sider did it. Who the fuck told you to go down there, bro? Who the fuck are you, you fucking gronk? What? Then why you the cameras, bro? Who the fuck are you, you fucking gronk? Huh? Then why cameras, bro? Listen, don't listen. fucking talk like that, bro. I'm, listen, I'm not a who's, fucking... who's behind you? Who's be... Listen, let's meet up then, bro. Hmm? Let's meet up then, brother. Let's I'm in Queensland, Listen, let's meet up tonight, brother. I want to meet up with you. I want to call you some different number. I'm in Queensland. Come down. In Queensland? You know you're Queensland? You're yes. always running away from me, bro? I'll catch you on the river, brother. I'll catch you. Listen, brother. I'll catch you, brother. Okay, that was Farhad Kwame, a senior member of the Brothers for Life gang, talking to Kashin Rashidi, who was... He's the sergeant-at-arms of the Finks outlaw motorcycle gang, one of the kind of bigger outlaw motorcycle gangs that we have in this country. And that was a police phone tap. Yeah, that's a, that's an intercepted piece of audio, something we don't often get to hear very... And they um, didn't know we were listening to them, obviously. They didn't know anyone else would ever hear this call. No, I doubt Farhad Kwame, who was the man who was doing all the yelling there, knew he was being listened to. So I'm Claire Harvey. I'm the deputy editor of the Sunday Telegraph. I'm talking to Yoni Bashan, who's a senior reporter with our paper, who's done one of the most spectacular investigations we've ever presented. It's called Warlord, and it's in the Sunday Telegraph today. It's, uh, it's online right now at dailytelegraph.com.au and it's the story of Farhad Kwame, his journey from coming from Afghanistan, a refugee from Afghanistan to the man who wanted to control Sydney, right? Correct. And this is a guy who, I mean, I've been a police reporter at this paper since, you know, it's been almost a decade. I have never encountered a criminal quite like Farhad Kwame. This is a guy who managed to separate himself from every other drug dealer and, um, you know, shitpot crook that exists out there in the community and took his ambitions and actually made them become a kind of reality. He became an underworld kingpin of Sydney. And as you rightly stated in your question, he, he began from nothing. He was illiterate, right? He was illiterate. He learned to read in prison. I mean, this was a guy who came to this country, you know, 1992 with his family, settling in Auburn, um, you know, enrolling in Auburn Public School and, you know, from very early on having a kind of a crappy little criminal history of bag snatches and, you know, armed robberies and things like that. Throwing rocks at police cars? Throwing rocks at police cars like everyone else in Auburn was doing around Union Road and then kind of, you know, aspiring into this juggernaut up there with, with, with criminal kingpins who, whose names we probably can't mention here for all sorts of stupid legal reasons, but you know, you know what I'm saying. As we tell in the, in the, in the story of Warlord today, it was, a, it was a series of crimes and a, a criminal life really that, uh, that captivated Sydney, that uh, changed the structure of the police force, it changed the nature of politics in this city. Uh, why Farhad? Why was he so extraordinary? Farhad was extraordinary because, as you can hear, he, he's got a temper and clearly he's got an ego. I think in order to be a, a, a massive uh, you know, underworld kingpin, you, you need a combination of aggression and ego. Um, most dealers and criminals in Sydney have a lot of aggression, but they lack the ego and they, they, they lack the ambition to do much more than what they're doing at the time. They want to control a slice, a, a patch of Sydney. They're happy with their street corner or whatever it is. Farhad didn't want that. Farhad, and he says it in his own terms, and we, we can play you some audio, Farhad wanted to control Sydney. You wanted to have 50 people. We could have had 50 people. No, no, no. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. These boys are going to get locked up. This city is so what were we hearing there? 
So that, that was Farhad visiting some of his gang cohorts in prison after they'd been locked up, and he's saying, this city was ours. We don't have the audio of him saying to them, um, this city will be ours, but that was something that they indicated to, the, to his trial, that he was saying constantly, this city will be ours. It's ours for the taking. We can take over all the turf that we want. Um, we need guns, we need drugs, and we will do all this. But that audio there is him saying to his um, criminal cohorts, um, this was ours for the taking. So it, it, in a sense, this ambition was born in jail, wasn't it? What happened in jail that, that set Farhad on the course of, 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 of this big adventure, this big venture? So the short story is Farhad gets locked up in 2012, charged with the murder. He, he beats the murder charge, but while he's inside, he gets acquainted with a, a kind of godfather-like figure of the Sydney underworld called Bassam Hamzy. And Bassam Hamzy is the head of the Hamzy crime family, um, you know, people who have been involved in all kinds of extraordinary drug distribution networks across the country. And Hamzy kind of taps Kwame. He, he sees something in Kwame that perhaps, you know, likens him to a kind of protege or an apprentice. And he says to Kwame, I want you to, um, you know, be a flag bearer for my gang, the Brothers for Life, which is operating out in Sydney. And he unleashes Kwame onto Sydney. And onto the street, Kwame goes and he starts up this new gang. And then over a period of seven months in 2013, we have hellfire on the streets of southwestern Sydney. Uh, one of the prime targets turned out to be another gangster by the name of Little Crazy, the best gangster name I've ever heard. Who was that and why was he in Farhad's crosshairs? Well, so, well, yeah, quite unfortunately, they, these guys could have been friends, but it didn't work out. Everyone's in their own world, mate. Yeah, I know, brother, but, you know, we shouldn't be locked up, bro, you know? Little Crazy was Bassam Hamzy's favourite cousin and he was kind of the de facto leader of the Brothers for Life. He was the guy who was Bassam's, I guess, kind of stand-in on the outside. He ran the Bankstown chapter of the gang. And the reason why he came into the crossfire with Kwame is because, again, you've un- Hamzy has unleashed this very aggressive gangster onto Sydney who starts his own Blacktown chapter of the BFL and in running Blacktown, Kwame wants more of Bankstown. He wants more of Sydney con- to control. And t- to be quite honest, he always wanted to take over the gang. This, he was never going to play second fiddle to Little Crazy. And as a result of that ambition, those two came into um, quite aggressive contact with each other. One of the reasons we know all of this stuff is that uh, the police worked incredibly hard to get members of the Brothers for Life to roll over, right? Yes. Yeah. So um, we've got a piece of audio which is tell me what it is. It's 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 recorded in a jailhouse interrogation room. Mm. So th- this is this was a, a kind of a scheme ginned up by detectives to get uh, two members of the gang, two very prominent members of the gang. They can't be named. We can't really identify them, but we can play you some of the audio of them. And this is them talking about whether and why they should quote, roll over and cooperate with the police and some of their own thoughts about what they felt about Kwame um, once the gang kind of fell apart. Okay, let's hear it. You need to be honest about the crimes you've committed because they're the things that we have to help you with right down the track. And, uh, for example, when it comes to sentencing you for those crimes, you need to be... I can't tell you you need to plead guilty. It's up to you what you do. But for you to get the full assistance um, that you can get, you probably need to plead guilty because you get a huge discount for pleading guilty and at the first available opportunity, which will be from this point on, um, you get assistance for the... Uh, you get assistance for the assistance that you provided to us by giving evidence against others. So to maximise the benefit to you, you need to be very truthful in those discussions with us. Tell us what you're involved in. That sounded like some pretty cool police work. Was there some good cop, bad cop going on there? Yeah, as you can hear from some of that recording, um, 
that's Glenn Brown, the police officer, kind of uh, laying it out for these guys, saying you should do the best to help yourself in this very, very difficult predicament that you found yourself in as a result of being so loyal to fired Kwame. So what's important about Warlord? Why are we going to read this story today? The reason why you need to read this story today is because this is a once-in-a-generation story. This city has not had a criminal like fired Kwame for at least a decade, possibly more. Ah, uh, fuck off, you can! Me paranoid! But well, you're the one that answered your fucking corpora! <laughs> the last time we had anyone of his calibre was um, when Michael Kanan was running around Sydney. That was in the late 90s. So we're not going to see another Fahad Kwame for a long time. This is a big personality, and I dare say there'll be an Underbelly series about him one day. So people need to go and read this now so they're not lost when that television series comes out. <laughs> Dailytelegraph.com.au and the Sunday Telegraph. News doesn't have to be boring. The Brits have given Prince Harry a new nickname after yet another tell-all interview. Oh, God, is it the ginger winder? <laughs> <laughs> Let the team at news.com.au get you up to speed each day with their podcast from the newsroom. A couple were busted joining the Mile High Club. Well, I guess they can't fly virgin anymore. <laughs> Politics, sport, red carpets, royals. Get all the goss in just a few minutes. Follow from the newsroom wherever you get your podcast from.